I was literally cold calling Division One schools to walk on until someone would agree to say yeah. And it turns out Iowa State was just the first ones dumb enough to do it. welcome to everyone tuning in today because this is the first ever episode of the thanks coach podcast where we talk about the lessons that we learn from life's many coaches i am your host wyatt Rhodes, and i am pumped that you've decided to join us today this podcast has been years in the making and i would like to give a special shout out to everyone who made this possible if you've ever read any of my blog posts you understand where this is coming from but if not let me catch you up real quick A few years ago, I started my blog with the idea that I would share my stories with the hope that y'all would learn a thing or two from my life. You see, my dad has been a college football coach since before I was born. Growing up, he always taught me to be coachable in sports, as well as every aspect of my life. One of a coach's biggest pet peeves is when an athlete doesn't listen to the coaching they are receiving. We all have coaches in our lives. If we identify them and listen to what they are trying to teach us, we can constantly improve. This lesson has stuck with me since I learned it playing Little League games growing up. I try to always be better when I go to bed at night than I was that morning when I woke up. A coach doesn't have to be confined to a sports setting. To me, a coach can be anyone or anything in your life that you can learn from. It is crazy how your family, teachers, friends, coaches, pastors, places, songs, and random strangers can impact your life so immensely. I still have a lot to learn, but without them, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. Today I am joined by my former teammate, former roommate, but most importantly, longtime friend Connor Green. In this episode, we discuss life as a college athlete, the trials that come with coaching changes, what it means to get the most out of your college years, and of course, what he has learned from his many coaches along the way. Thanks again for joining us. I hope you enjoy it, and if you do, make sure to tell your friends all about us. For now, here's episode 001 with the one, the only, the lean, mean, Connor Green. What up, buddy? How you doing, man? Hey, it's a pleasure to have you on the first ever episode of Thanks, Coach. Some would say it's an honor. Oh, absolutely an honor. So just a quick background for our listeners, all five of them that might pop on this. The idea for this podcast, how it came to be, a mutual. Did you ever have her as a professor, Doctor Wilgen Bush? Yeah, coolest professor out there. The wonderful Doctor Wilgen Bush. She was actually my advisor for a couple years. Um, We had to do a blog, I think, for one of my classes with her. So I started this blog called Thanks Coach. Um, It's been going on for a couple years now, on and off. And I finally thought, you know what? I've talked enough about myself and my life. Might as well get some of my super cool friends on here and ask them about theirs. So here we are with the Thanks Coach Podcast. Coolest friends first. Heck yeah. Um, all right. So figure we should just start how we met, Connor. We go way back to the beginning of college. Um Talk about here. I'll I'll just ask you. So you you knew Gish before you knew me. Yeah. Right. Talk so, uh, talk talk us through through that whole process. 
Yeah, so I met Gish at a official visit at a D2 school for football. Um, they invited us to their end-of-the-year banquet, which was interesting. And then from there, we uh, went to a, a party at one of the players' house. And I didn't – I never met him before, didn't really know him. And I walk into this party, and this dude just screaming my name. Um, so I kind of hung out with him that night. Uh, decided he was a pretty cool dude and we kind of got to talking like hey you know if you don't go to school here where are you gonna go he's like oh actually I think I'm gonna walk on at Iowa State I was like dude no way I think I'm gonna do the same thing um, so we followed each other on Twitter and sure enough the next week he tweeted that he was gonna walk on at Iowa State and DM'd him um, and then three weeks later I got a DM from him and Wyatt asking if I wanted to be their roommate and I didn't know anyone else. I was all in on that. Heck yeah. Uh, for reference, so Gish, Gary Gish Heidler, um, me and him went to high school together. Knew him since sixth grade, all my time in Iowa. Um, so we we played football together in high school and decided to walk on at Iowa State together. Um, and then so since my dad was the head coach at the time, we got a little bit more leeway on picking our roommates than, than everybody else did. Uh, so they gave us a, a whole list of all the other walk-ons. They're like, pick whoever you want. And Gish was like, yeah, I met this Connor guy. He's, he's pretty cool. We're like, yep, let's do it. We'll take whoever we can get. That's cool. So so that was that was the start. Um, I could be wrong about this, but it was our first meeting the legendary Freddie Phone Fest. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, I decided to come up that day because I wanted to meet you guys before like, I lived with you and everything. And yeah, I came up to Ames, and next I know my uh, bedroom's a foam room. Possibly yeah, one of the out. greatest ideas in the history of roommates, with quite possibly some of the worst execution ever. Executions in the eye of the beholder. I mean, it looked like a great time. Oh, it was an idea for the ages. Oh, that was crazy. Back in the glory days, thirty-five, seventeen, Freddie Court. It was me, you, Gish, and Clayton. And talk, talk, talk to the listeners through just what that first semester adjusting to college, new roommates, all that was like. Yeah, so I, uh, <laughs> I think we all came from very different backgrounds, which made it fun. We had, you know, me, Wyatt, and Gish, who were all 18-year-olds experiencing life for the first time, and then kind of had our father figure, Clayton, who uh, had spent three years playing minor league baseball. Uh, had a little bit of money saved up. So while well, three of us were broke and struggling, Clayton was just chilling. Uh, school was paid for. He was enjoying life. Um, no, it was cool, though. It was a good dynamic. Uh, next door, we had some really good dudes. Sheldo, Ringelberg, Bergstrom, and Bryce. Yep. Uh, so we just kind of left our doors unlocked and went back and forth playing Madden or whatever was going on that night. How about that? Do you remember we had, the, we had a good... the Christmas decoration battle we had going on that year? Yeah, we went we went crazy with Christmas lights. We I had to hook up at Walmart that night. 
I dropped like 250 on on lights and stuff that day. We had a big Christmas tree. And then every time they brought the recruits on official visits, we had cookies made because we were in the tour room. <laughs> oh, that was such a pain. Every we get that text like an hour ahead of time, like, hey, we're coming to you guys' room. We're like, oh. All right, we'll scrub you out real quick. Oh yeah. No, um, it was pretty good time. Well, so obviously the big thing that brought us together was being on the football team. And just talk talk through um what what your freshman football experience was like. Who who was was your coach? Did you have Stan? Yeah, I had Stan. Yeah, you had Stan. <laughs> Heck yeah. Gosh. So obviously Stan's the man. Um, but we were, I mean, we were Iowa kids. We were walk-ons um, at a Division One program, a struggling program at best, but a Division One program nonetheless. I mean, freshman year wasn't a ton of fun as far as as far as football went, but um what what do you remember from it? what what sticks out what was what was that like yeah I guess I guess for me so I was just happy to be there yeah I mean I was you know I had deep offers that I had pulled from me and so I was literally cold calling division one schools to walk on until someone would agree to say yeah and it turns out Iowa State was just the first ones dumb enough to do it um so I had never met coach Egan before I had never met any of the coaches before um I guess I had met one so I just kind of showed up and they told me I had a roster spot and I was cool with it um so first day I was there I remember one of the guy one of the operations guys taking us around and showing us everything works and at the very end he looked at us and said yeah, just so you guys know, half of you won't be here next year. And everyone's like, no, not me. I'll be here. And sure enough, like, start a camp the next year. We counted and exactly half the guys were left. So, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, Coach Agan, Coach I had never met him before. And he was a good dude, but I would always laugh because he kind of sweat and splotches like a oh, leopard. Yeah. So he had all these spots on him during practice. And then his hair would get going all while those troll dolls, and he was just kind of angry. Um, he, he was a good dude, but he was wild. So it, it was fun to learn and fun to get to be a part of it. Um, the, one, the one moment that still stands out to me is shutting out Texas on Halloween there. Uh, th- things got a little spooky in Ames, and uh, Longhorns weren't about it. Oh, yeah. Um. Gosh, so what so so what I remember from that year, um I went to fall camp, which at the time, um with my dad being the head coach, he told me, I want you to come to fall camp. And I initially told him no. because um, I didn't think I deserved it. I was a walk on, I was a tiny freshman receiver. I was like, What what do you mean I'm going to fall camp? Like there's so many other people that deserve that ahead of me. Um and so my mom gave me this advice before that. She said something along the lines of, in life, if someone opens a door for you, doesn't matter what the door is, doesn't matter who opens it, don't be an idiot and walk through the damn door. And so I, I told him, yeah, I'd go to camp. Um, wouldn't trade that experience for anything. It was crazy. I'd 
I can't imagine what you guys thought. You guys were there the entire time, and I'd be coming home, and I kind of felt like jerk being at camp when you guys weren't, feeling like I didn't deserve it. But um, so I mean, you already hinted at kind of that mentality. But what what was your walk through the door moment of that year? Just being on the team, I, like you mentioned, you were just ha- you were cold calling. You're happy to be there. Um, did you have a moment like that where you're like, take it, this is it, go for it? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, my moment just came when I – to get to stay. When I was on the opportunity, like, you got to take it. There's no options here. Like, on the spot, accept this. Don't go back on it. Um, you know, I think that the first year I was kind of shell-shocked a little bit because, you know, there's not a real market for six foot two, 215-pound DNs who can't really run or jump. Um, so I was just trying to figure out life and figure out where I fit in on the team. Um, you know, but just getting that opportunity to me was something opportunity of a lifetime, you know, and it might sound dumb or small to some people, but just getting the opportunity to, to walk on at a major college football program and chase a dream is something that I'll forever be grateful for. Heck yeah. Especially a program that the WOPA was so, so broadly known and popular. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the walk-on tradition I was staying something that was frequently harped on on us, um, you know, and, and hopefully they feel I upheld the culture well. But uh, oh, you know, yeah. those guys really helped show show me the ropes for a few years. Um, just a bunch of gritty, hard-working dudes that showed up every day and just did what was asked of them. Um, you know, and they're a big reason why the program is what it is today now. Absolutely. So we'll we'll come back to that, but I want to jump ahead. Um, so eventually down the line in your college journey, you were put on scholarship, the walk-off dream paid off. Yeah. Just (laughs) talk through that, what, what that was like. Um, obviously there was a coaching change involved after our freshman year, um, that Campbell and his staff came in and eventually they were the ones to offer you that scholarship. So, um, what was that journey like? What was the offer like? What, what did that mean to you? to to be recognized as a scholarship player yeah you know for me it, it meant the world um so i guess you know i sat on the bench for three and a half years forever and do a game um i actually graduated and had my undergraduate degree before i ever played you know and i'd be lying to you if i said that you know i didn't want to quit like there are so many times that I wanted to quit, didn't want to be a part of it, just thought I had, you know, I chased the dream and gave it my all and came up empty, which to some degree is really, really hard to look in the mirror um, and just realize that. But, you know, Coach Campbell gave me an opportunity late in my junior year on special teams. Um, and it's an opportunity that I ran with, uh, made the most of it. And uh, the following year, he called me into his office that winter um on a Sunday morning I was going to church actually so I was there in like two minutes flat and he's in his office he's like come in like, yeah what's going on man he's like what are you doing he's like oh I'm on my way to church you want to come he's like no I gotta work I was like all right I'll pray for you what do you want what do you want me for he's like hey go ahead and call your parents man I'm putting you on scholarship um and just kind of that overwhelming feeling you know uh, a lot of tears just to, of gratitude because, you know, my parents had sacrificed so much for 
need to have the ability to walk on. Um, you know, I had so many friends who talked me off a ledge when I really didn't know if I was going to make it there. Um, and just so many people had supported me and invested in my life, you know, and to be able to call my parents and say, you know, I appreciate all you did financially to help me, but I got it from here. Uh, was something pretty special to me. Um, and certainly, you know, just, just the relationships, um, everything just kind of culminated in that moment, you know, it really hit me hard. Yeah. Dang, man. Um, shoot, I'm getting all emotional just thinking about it. <laughs> I can't imagine you, man. Um, gosh, that's just, I'm, I mean, I think I remember the one year I was on the team, I think we might have one guy, um, get put on scholarship. I think Trevor Ryan got put on scholarship that year. Um, and just, I mean, you see it on game day all the time and just what it means for, for walk-ons to get put on scholarship for football and um, talk, talk through what that relationship was like with coach Campbell. And obviously not the coach who recruited you with, which, I mean, you can say that, Coach Rhodes wasn't the one that recruited you either, but not who you originally came to play for and, and having to build that new relationship. And then um, eventually one day he's he's the coach that you got to say, thanks, coach. Um, you put me on scholarship. You made that dream come true. Um, and all the all the other coaches that had, had roles in that as well, what, what was that like? Yeah, you know, and you mentioned Coach Rhodes, you know, None of this is possible without him, though, either. Like, he still gave me the opportunity to be a part of a program when no other Division One coach in the country has wanted to do that. Not FCS, not FBS, nobody else. Um, and sure enough, you know, I get put on scholarship, and, you know, a day later he's texting me. I haven't seen him in two or three years, and he's texting me, telling me congratulations. Um, you know, so that certainly means a lot. You know, and I, I look at someone like Coach Campbell, and he's someone that I developed a really, really good relationship with. Um, he's someone that I really, really look up to. And, uh, you know, I think just developing that rapport um, and seeing the effort that he was putting into turning the program around um, and knowing that he was the hardest working coach on staff, was there more than any player or anybody else in the building, really stood out to me as a man you know, the guy the most money is willing to put in work like that, you know, why are the rest of us not willing to do the same thing? Um, so I found myself spending longer hours there willing to put in more work. Um, and eventually, you know, at times it was just me and him in the building. We had times to bond over stuff and talk, you know, and I guess that's one of the small perks of being there on Saturday, Saturday nights at 730 when nobody else is. Um, but, you know, just seeing who he was and, you know, being a great role model for our program really helped me uh, understood what it took to be successful and learn and grow. Um, so I want to, want to jump back now just through um, your whole college journey. Um, obviously football was a big part of it and being a part of that team and all that, what that meant. Um, but a lot of our bonding time, at least freshman year, and beyond that, when we weren't roommates, but just part of the college experience was uh, getting involved in, in things outside of football, um, going to different club meetings, um, things around campus and all that. So I know I, looking back on it, that's a huge piece of, of who, I, who I am today. Um, give us just a recap real quick. How, how many clubs did we go to our first week of college? <laughs> 
I think that this is why we bonded though, because we were both just like, hey, like, let's just do it, man. Yep. <laughs> let's jump in. See what it. happens. Oh yeah. Um, so let's see. Our the first day of school, we went to to move night. Yep. Um, I I still don't know what that is, but we made t-shirts and then yeah. left. Yep. Free t-shirt. Um, and then we went to FCA, which we both became a big part of, a uh, big part of our lives at FCA. Yep. Um, but most most notably, Tier Azaline Medieval Society. Look them up on Facebook. We were big into one. Facebook group. And if you don't know, if you don't know what LARP is, go watch the movie Role Models. It's live action role play. You got swords and shields, and you're coming for people's necks. And was it was it Minix? Was it Minix? Minix. Yeah. So you know we got these like foam swords and shields, and we're running around this battlefield like trying to whack people and if you get whacked like, capture the flag or something with like yeah if you get whacked you're dead and like me and Wyatt are running and I look over at him and some chick with a spear just puts one on his ribs and it was like slow motion him like flying through the air <laughs> lands on his back I'm crying laughing someone sort stabs me with their sword I'm dead I'm just like couldn't get over watching this happen um yeah. I got. Rude. I mean, this all happened. This all this happened in our first week. So I was like, "All right, like this dude's a pretty cool guy. We're just having oh. a good time." Um, and honestly, just going from club to club and trying to see if we could break the record for most clubs attended at Iowa State was a big reason of how we bonded. Oh yeah, um, gosh, dude, I got rocked. <laughs> I mean, there was just a. Uh, a big part of that, I think, was just – I mean, looking back on LARP specifically, we showed up and like, we're D1 athletes. Like, these are, like, the nerdiest of nerds. We're going to rock these people. And I quite literally got knocked on my ass. And I was gassed. <laughs> I've never been that in my life. It was so funny. But it was – I mean, that was our way of – I mean, that was our college experience because we didn't have – the time that everyone else had, we didn't have the experience that everyone else had, but we had those small relationships with Minix or the t-shirts or what, I mean, bones. Yeah. Whatever it was. Um, we were out there, we were putting ourselves out there, making friends. Um, and gosh, I mean, I, I, that's, that's one of the things that I remember more than anything about my college experience was just being an idiot and going out there like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, if anyone listening to this is about to go to college or is in college, like, just go enjoy life. Like, make the most of it. Go experience things and try different things. Have a good time. Like, you're never going to get these moments back. And, you know, I was able to form so many great relationships with people by just being like, okay, cool, let's do it. Let's have a good time, see what happens. And so I'm, I've got my notes here, and I've got a picture of us from – an FCA Christmas party. <laughs> and so you mentioned we went to FCA that night, um, stuck around for a while. And that was a big part of, of who we were in college. Um, just talk about what, what your faith journey was like in college, um, how that impacted I me mean, being a college kid, being a college athlete. Um, Cause obviously the the Christian community in college diminishes greatly from from high school, and I feel like it's especially more so in the athletic scene. So, 
Um, yeah. What What was that like for you? Yeah, I know. I think it's interesting too. You know, I kind of went reverse of how most people go. Um, so I, you know, I grew up going to church. Uh, my parents got divorced around middle school, and we stopped going to church for a while. Um, and so I always had Christ and God present in my life, um, but we just weren't frequent churchgoers. And I didn't know how to have the courage to speak up or to just go on a Sunday by myself. Um, so for me to be able that first day of school at Iowa State to be able to walk into a community of Christ followers um, and have it pressed into my life was awesome, you know. I prayed every night for the opportunity to play Division One college sports and got that opportunity. And the first night on campus, I was introduced to a group of Christians. Like, to me, that's no coincidence. Um, it was 100%. I was right where I was supposed to be. Um, I think that really allowed my faith to grow. And, you know, by the end of college, I was speaking at Fields of Faith, which is a giant FCA event to, you know, hundreds of college kids about my faith and how they can build theirs. Um, we had a football team Bible study that I attended every week. We had a team chaplain that gave us pregame uh, game church service a Friday night study. You know, I was definitely in the word with other guys that were like me um, and just trying to spread the word to others, you know. And I think just being given that opportunity uh, as much as anything, it was an act of choice, but that opportunity was just so special to me. Yeah. Oh, and how many relationships did we build from from that? I mean, Lori Adams, I don't think, even if I tried to get her out of my life, I don't think she ever would, and I'm forever <laughs> grateful for that. Um, gosh, what a wonderful woman to, to lead that group. And, I mean, people like Gwen and old Grace Gibbons-Green and uh, <laughs> Alexis. Alexis, Russ. Um, Derek, Trey, every, I mean, everyone that was a part of that. Um, and like, like I mentioned earlier with the, with the WOPA people, but just older people in college ahead of us that were showing us um, that, I mean, this is, this is what college is. This is what it's like. Um, look at us, look at what we're doing. Yeah. You know, I think it's, especially with football, we're somewhat insulated from uh, most people on campus. We have our own facility away from everyone. We kind of do our own thing, and we're separated from all the other sports. So I think for me, too, to go get around people who aren't just football, to be able to go to SCA and hang out with track and volleyball and basketball and cross-country and wrestling and whoever showed up, um, was just a great way to make relationships and meet new people that were similar to me and chasing the same goals as me um, on campus. Yeah. Um, so in that same light, of, of looking up to role models and uh, let's just go through name, name a couple people on the team early in your career um, that you looked up to um, maybe a couple WOPA guys that sort of said, said that tone um, and maybe just explain quickly what WOPA is, but then just um, people on the team in general that, that were kind of your role models coming in. Yeah, you know, I think – so WOPA is the Walk-On Players Association at Iowa State. You know, we kind of developed a culture where, you know, we all stuck together. Um, we were all going through the same things and just had each other's backs, um, you know. And we, I had to give a senior speech last year in front of the team. Um, and I kind of talked about this moment after we won the Liberty Bowl in 2017 um, 
Joel, there's a picture of Joel Lanning and Alan Lazard carrying the Liberty Bowl trophy off the field, yep. which both those guys helped change the trajectory of Iowa State football 100%. Um, but what nobody notices is right in behind them helping carrying this trophy is Jack Spring. Um, and I don't know if average Iowa State fan would know who Jack Spring is or not, but to me he was someone I really looked up to. He was uh, a four-year starter on special teams. He came in as a tryout walk-on from Indiana. Just showed up one day and said, I want to play football here. Tried out and made it. Um, he never once complained about playing time. He just showed up every single day, did everything that was asked of him. And when he got a role, he was perfect at it. He was the best special teams player we had for three years and started all four special teams. Um, and he eventually earned a scholarship his last two years. You know, I think it was just kind of his unselfishness and his character and what he stood for that always stood out to me. And as a younger walk-on, I'm like, this guy's having a lot of success doing it like this. How do I do it like him? Um, so, you know, I had three years to learn from him and just kind of grow. And, you know, I was able to my last two years to play after he left. And hopefully I was able to take some of the things I learned from him and apply it. Um, all right, let's, let's jump ahead now. Um, first off, you're engaged. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy to me. I'm still in college. Thinking about people getting engaged is wild, even though I'm 24. It doesn't matter. I'm still in college. Um, but I've known Lainey since since our freshman year, since we met. Um, been to her house, known her family. Just the sweetest gal ever. Um, dude, I mean, congrats. But what's what's that looking like? How's You're getting married. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's funny. You know, she she brought the idea up to me a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Oh no, like no, never, not gonna happen, whatever." Um, and then, like, sure enough, it hit me. I was like, "Dude, like, you really love this girl. You know, she's she's the one." Um, you know, so a lot of people out there. Well, one. I got the ring last uh, last December. Let, let her pick it out, and then went back and got it without her knowing. Because, um, and so I had thought, you know, I'll have this time to plan, you know, a good engagement while she's in college at Boston. She'll come back, and I'll have it all planned out. Um, and then COVID hit. Yep. So I two or three months I was figuring, you know, to plan everything out. I didn't have any more because I was with her every single day, every morning, every night. I was like, man. This is not good. That's not the type of dad. Um, you know, and Wyatt hit on her family. She's got eight people in her family, and they were all under the same roof. So trying to have a conversation with her dad that you need to have but you don't necessarily want to have is really easy to put off. Um, and it's really tough to get them alone because there's so many people. Um, so, yeah, that conversation was nerve-wracking. but. You know, just to just to be able to show her that, you know, I love her, um, you know, and I'm excited for the future. It was exciting. You know, we started planning a little bit, and then she started PA school. So kind of put it on the back burner. We're going to see what happens with COVID and some of the weddings that are getting delayed right now. But I'm pumped up about it, excited. Hopefully she knows that I got the better end of the deal. But <laughs> Absolutely, dude. You're shooting out of your league here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm excited about it, though. Right on. Um, all right, so you're graduated. You're working now. Um, what you, would you get your degrees in? You got two, right? 
Yeah, so I uh, undergrad, I was political science and public relations, and then I didn't want to be an adult, so I uh, I stuck around and got my master's degree in political science with an emphasis in public policy. So Greener Roads 2048? Yeah, so we're, we're working on this here now. Uh, it's a 28-year plan currently. Um, you know, we, we got some ventures we got to work on coming up here, but yeah. 2048 will be mean. Vote for Connor Green. VP uh, Wyatt Rhodes. It's gonna be a party. Absolutely. Um, so what what are you doing now? What's what's your current job? How much? Yeah, do you so I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> No, the, the job's good. I uh, I work in insurance sales at True North Companies. Uh, we're a top 40 national property casualty insurance broker. Um, Based out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, but we got locations in Chicago, Texas, Colorado, Des Moines, Ames. So we're all over, but it's been a good experience. Uh, well, love that I'm learning a ton about something I never thought I'd know a lot about. So it's been fun. Oh, yeah. Um, and then talk about, we can cut it if, if we don't want to post it. But um, So talk about the bobsled adventure that you're on right now. What's going on with that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, it always been kind of been a joke a little bit. That I don't even know when we started talking about it. I think Wyatt brought up that he's going to be a bobsledder skeleton guy. And it might have been early freshman. Yeah, it might have been freshman year because I started talking about it because of Coach Steele. Yeah. And naturally not wanting to get one up, I was like, well, if you can do it, I can do it. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I started looking into it and, you know, I started looking up the roster all that stuff. There was a couple of guys on the roster who I thought, man, like after football, I can get down to a weight where I, I look like that guy. Um, so last, uh, last July, Laney and I went out to Colorado and we went to the Olympic training center and I kind of honed in and started asking some questions. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. Yep. So sure enough, as soon as football ended, I dropped 25 pounds um, as applied for, a combine deal and this TV show, whatever. COVID canceled all of it. Um, but I had to do a virtual combine where I submitted videos of me doing different things and talking. And I don't know. And sure enough, the coach called me and was like, yeah, you know, we think you're a guy we want to bring out to this push camp in, in New York at Lake Placid. Uh, so it happens in two weeks. Got to go out there for that. And, uh, do well enough there and compete. Hopefully get a shot to compete with the U.S. bobsled team and uh, fight for a spot in the 2022 Olympics in Beijing. Gosh, dude. I mean, that's that's the dream right there. Do it for the tattoo, if nothing else. Get those Olympics yeah. on your skin. Yeah. yeah, it was. it's one of those things. I'm naturally competitive, and I needed something to chase, you know. And once football was gone, I had, you know, someone have I'd an identity crisis where I had to really find myself um, and to have mentally be able to go to the gym every day and say, I'm here to get better because I want to be an Olympic bobsledder as funny as it sounds, got me there and got me to work hard every single day. Um, so it's, it's been a fun journey. You know, I had nothing to lose and you know, it, it sounds improbable when you first start the journey. Um, but sure enough, here we are a few months later and, it's more of a reality than it was six months ago. So, absolutely. 
All right, perfect transition into final questions here. So I got three questions for you um, based on the whole premise of thanks, Coach. So number one, you just mentioned identity crisis after football. Um, obviously having that many coaches around you every day is such a structured environment. Um, what are you learning right now and who are the coaches that are teaching it to you? Yeah. I think, you know, I'm someone that has always thrived on structure and always had a plan for everything. And then when life hits you in the face and you have a plan, it gets real in a hurry. Um, so I think one is, you know, patience, you know, understanding to be patient, not force anything, you know, trust in the timing of how things happen has been big for me. Um, and second, you don't have to have the world figured out when you're 23. I'm sure that happens at 33, 43, and 53 also. Um, but, you know, I think for me, just slowing down and enjoying the little things in life, you know, and I think as I transitioned, I still do have a lot of contact with my old coaches who I think are awesome mentors. I've always had my best interest at heart, um, you know, but I've been able to engage with a lot of old friends back around Iowa City, you know. It's been great to spend a lot more time with my fiance, um, learn from her spend more time with the family and get to learn from them some more, you know, and just grateful for all the awesome people I have in my life. Heck yeah. Um, similar, but I mean, we, we, we talked about it a little bit, just being in college, being an athlete, um, just the platform that comes with that. How are you teaching someone else right now and who um, are you teaching? Yeah. So, Obviously, after five years of football, I'm passionate about it. Um, so I went and I'm volunteering at my, the high school I went to coaching football this fall. Um, and just to, to have had the opportunity to not even teach these kids football, um, but to work life skills and just be around them and hopefully make a positive impact on their day or positive influence on their life. Um, been really big for me. You know, I look back at my high school football and some of those coaches that were around were you know, some of the coolest guys I thought in the world and they had a big impact on my life, you know, so to go be around the, the Iowa City West football program, um, just help those guys and ho hopefully make them, make them a little better at football and help them enjoy life a little more. It's been, uh, been my goal, um, but it's been great to go back and teach and get to enjoy football. Heck yeah. All right, last one, and this is a big one. Um, who is your biggest coach in life? You know, it's interesting. When I think of a coach, um, I think a lot of times we think of simply the athletic portion of it, you know, and I know a lot of your blog is about that and how it transcends more than that. Um, you know, and for me, you know, I do think Coach Campbell has been an incredible influence on me in the game of football. You know, I loved football. You know, he gave me some unreal opportunities, but I think over the last four or five years, um, just being around Tim's really shaped who I am as a man off the field too. You know, he put a lot of trust in me. Um, we had a great relationship and just some of our conversations and how he's always motivated me to be the best, best version of myself, um, reach my full potential is, is always his motto, you know, and how, how am I doing that every day? You know, we're all going to fail at times, but how we respond to failures, how we're defined. Um, He's always had my back and always cheered me on through my failures and known that helped pick me back up, you know. And so I'd go with him as uh, my biggest coach in life, despite the fact that he actually is 
the biggest coach I've had in life too. <laughs> right on. Awesome. Um, well, man, I just wanted to finish with um, just a, a story from our life. When I say story, it's not much of a story. Um, it's just our entire uh, freshman year and then on together, but just knowing you and um, like I mentioned earlier with me going to camp freshman year and um, and you mentioned it, all four of us being roommates coming from different backgrounds. We had quite a dynamic in that apartment and just just going through that journey together. And then I think after after freshman year, me and Clay were both gone, right? I think Clay, Clay dipped out after that freshman year. Um, so then it was just you and Gish, and you guys made it all the way through. And But just watching you and every, everything you said tonight is just spot on with – how I felt about that year and just watching you come from someone who was cold calling and just trying to get on a team and um, worked his ass off and, and someone that I was just extremely proud to to share that uniform with and share swords with and just everything we did together freshman year. I mean, it was, it was a hell of a journey. And I mean, I just, I, I'd like to say, as I always end my, my blogs with is just thanks coach. Um, for teaching me what it meant to be an Iowa kid that worked his tail off, um, never stopped chasing the dream, and was always, always living the dream. Connor Green, it was fantastic to live with you for a year. It's fantastic to be your friend, and it's been fantastic to have you on the podcast tonight. So I thank you for that, my friend. I appreciate you, brother. You know you mean the world to me. Right on. Well, there it is, folks, our first episode ever. Tune in hopefully sometime within the next week, and we might do another one. See ya. Thanks again for joining us. If you made it this far, congratulations. You're one of the few. Seeing as though we're new to this, I'm not sure how this whole podcast thing works, but if you can, subscribe, like us, recommend us, whatever the heck you do to make us popular. I sure would appreciate it. Someday I might make some money off this thing. Who knows? <laughs> but if not, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a thing or two. And go ahead and reach out to us. I am on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much everything imaginable. So is Connor Green. So reach out to us. Let us know what you learned. Let us know what you thought. And if you liked it, let us know. If you didn't, let me know. We'll try and change a thing or two. Maybe we won't even come back at all. Who knows? But thank you once again for listening to the first ever episode of the Thanks Coach Podcast. We'll see you next time.